Let's take our Bibles tonight and open together to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter number 24 as we come to God's Word. And we're praying, we're seeking the Lord's help, uh, praying for revival, praying for God to, to work and move mightily in our hearts and in our lives. And I'm thankful that God is able. And uh, the purpose of, of this 30 days of prayer is that we get on, on board with the Lord. And I don't, I don't want to get on board with some, somebody's, uh, with, with any other movement than the movement of God. And uh, I want to be headed the right direction with the Lord. The Bible tells us that we're to be uh, co-laborers together with Christ. And I just want to be part of what He is doing. And uh, has everybody received one of these 30 days of prayer? If you do not have one, would you please raise your hand? I want to make sure that you get one of these. We've got a few folks here that need some. Brother John's coming. He's got some. He's going to hand them out to you. We're going to begin tonight. Of course, the message is in Proverbs chapter number 24. But just by way of introduction, I want to look at four, uh, four subjects here. On Friday, uh, we, we began the weekend praying for our family. The Bible says in Psalm 127, in verse 1, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And certainly we need God's help to build the home, don't we? Uh, he's given us the blueprint, which is His Word. And uh, he, he Himself is the cornerstone. He's the foundation upon which we are to build our lives and our homes, our faith, all of these things. But then we began, on, even on Saturday, we prayed for husbands. I want you to look with me, uh, if you would, in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter number 5. And notice what the Bible says here in verse number 25. And we prayed for husbands, right? And I hope we're praying according to these verses. The Bible says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. As husbands, you and I, we're not to be, you know, we are leaders of our homes. The Bible commands that we be leaders of our homes. But we're not some ruthless dictator either. We're not to be hard or harsh or to lead lovingly. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. We're praying that God would help us men be loving leaders of the home. Examples of Jesus Christ. Not just toward our wives, but also uh, to our children. And, and uh, this, today, the emphasis is, is placed upon our wives. I want you to look in, in uh, 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. In verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, that they may also without the word be won by the chaste conversation of the wives, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. And we're praying that for our wives today, that, uh, that their testimony in the home would be what it needs to be. And uh, tomorrow, we will pray for our children. Look back in Ephesians, if you would please. Ephesians chapter number 6, in verse number 1. Hey, if you're a child in here, grade school age, raise your hand. All right, there you go. Listen to this verse, kids. And all the parents said, Amen. Right? The Bible says in Ephesians 6.1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I want my children to do the right things, don't you? The Bible says it's right for children to obey. And may God help our children obey. May, may the Lord help us to, uh, to lead them to, to understand the need to obey and practice it diligently in their lives. But we're praying for our homes. We're praying for God to do a work. 
in the book of Genesis, we find the Lord uh, instituting the home. In chapter number 2, we find how Satan came in and, and discouraged that home. In chapter number 3, uh, we find how, how even hardship and, and discord and, and murder took place within that first home as, as Cain killed his brother Abel. And we, and we see the ramifications of this through society even today. Uh, the Lord loves your home. I don't, I don't know if we truly understand and, and the, the, the real value that God has placed upon our homes. Um, our homes are to be a, a picture, a little bit of heaven on earth, right? Uh, are they heaven on earth? I pray so. You know, uh, the marriage union between the husband and the wife is a picture of Christ in the church. But our homes are under attack like nothing else. We are living in some days of adversity, aren't we? A hardship and, and confusion. Confu may I say, confusion. The world has confused uh, us Christians. The world has told us that we are to operate our homes and, and raise our families according to its wisdom rather than the wisdom of the Lord. But what we need today is a revolution, don't we? We need a revolution in our hearts back to the Word of God. And I want to do what God has for me to do. I trust that you do the same uh, for your own family, for your own, for your own benefit. If you're able, I invite you to stand with me tonight. We're going to read uh, just a few verses here, beginning in Proverbs chapter 24. In verse number 1, the Bible says, Be not thou envious against evil men, neither desire to be with them. For their heart is studied destruction, and their lips talk of mischief. Through wisdom is a house builded, and by understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is strong, yea, a man of knowledge increaseth strength. For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war. And in the multitude of counselors there is safety. Wisdom is too high for a fool. He openeth not his mouth in the gate. He that deviseth to do evil shall be called mischievous, uh, mischief, a mischievous person. The thought of foolishness is sin, and the scorner is an abomination to men. If thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Father, we come to your word tonight and we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us. God, that you'd help us. We need your help tonight. Uh, Satan hath desired to have thee, that he may sift thee as wheat. Now art converted, strengthen the brethren. Lord, those are your words to Peter. Father, tonight we ask that you would strengthen the brethren. Uh, Lord, that you would encourage our hearts in the Lord. Help us to cling to the promises of your word. Lord, may we see some principles tonight that would radically transform our homes, that would strengthen our lives, that would meet the needs that we have, that would encourage us in the Lord. So God, give us your grace this evening. Lord, we need your help. Lord, I pray that you'd use the message tonight. Uh, Lord, may it be an answer to prayer as we consider our homes 
and the responsibility you've, you've set before us. And so, Lord, we love you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bibles, I'd like to draw your attention to what the Bible says in verse 3 of Proverbs chapter 24. The Bible says, Through wisdom is a house builded. Through wisdom is a house builded. We consider our homes tonight, and I pray that all of our homes, all of our lives would be built upon the rock. I'm reminded of what Jesus said at the conclusion of his great Sermon on the Mount. Won't you look there with me, please, in, in Matthew chapter number 7. Matthew chapter number 7. You see, there are days of adversity that we face. Hardships, difficulties, trials, struggles. We would term these things storms. There are storms of life. And to some extent, every one of us in here have weathered a storm. Yesterday, I was sitting in my office waiting, to, waiting for someone to come in and talk to me. And, and I just noticed that all of a sudden it got very, very dark. Almost dark as night. I looked outside and, and the vapor light in the parking lot that runs off of a, uh, off of a sensor was on. I'm thinking, what, is, what time is it? You know, It's not 9 o'clock already, is it? And all of a sudden, the heavens just let loose. Man, I tell you, and it rained, and it rained, and it rained for about five minutes. Um, but we got a lot of rain in that short stretch of time. The winds whipped up. I, I, I was standing at the door, and I had the, front, the doors of the church unlocked, and, and the wind was, was blowing so vehemently that, it was, that the doors were whew, like getting sucked open and closed. I thought, is there a tornado out? I, I, so I opened the door because there was hail pounding on the roof of the church and I couldn't hear. I said, is there a tornado siren going off somewhere? I opened the door and realized that it was just, just a torrential rain. Poor Jonathan, he's out there trying to mow. I, th I thought about going and checking on him, but I didn't, got, didn't want to get all wet, you know? And, uh, but anyway, it was, it was just, it was a soaker. It was a storm. I remember when I was a little boy, um, my dad's side of the family decided to vacation together. It's the one and only time they did it. Uh, but my uncle, he had a 14-foot bass boat, and they rented some cabins up on uh, the northern shore of Lake Michigan uh, in a little place called Little Beatty Knock. And it's God's country up there, man. It's beautiful. How many of you have ever been to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan? Oh, man, it's, it's, it's great. Um, but we're up there and I remember one day we're at, we go out every day on these boat, on, on his boat and we'd catch perch, we'd catch walleye, uh, we'd catch uh, northern pike, you know, and it was just great. But one day my dad and my uncle decided they were going to get up early and go out fishing before anybody else got up. And they didn't look, they didn't, they didn't catch the weather bulletin for that morning. And they were they were caught in the middle of a storm on Lake Michigan in a 14-foot bass boat. And my dad, I'm not sure if he's ever been out on a boat with my uncle after that. But, you know, we think Lake Michigan, it's, I think there was like six-foot swells in a 14-foot bass boat. Thankfully, they made it back safely. But there are storms, right? Sometimes the storms of life seem very difficult, aren't they? Sometimes it's just a drizzle. 
Sometimes it's just, it's just a hard rain. But at other times, they're so boisterous that it, that it rocks our lives to the very core. Those days of adversity. And we recognize our need to, to build our lives upon the rock, who is Jesus Christ. And the Bible says this in, in Matthew chapter number 7. In verse 24, Jesus concludes his Sermon on the Mount saying, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And it came to pass, when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Friends, I want to encourage you tonight to, to be wise, and to build your home, with the understanding that, that this book is right. That this book is true. The Bible says in the book of Romans, let God be true, every man a liar. The word of God is true, and you and I, we would do well to take heed thereto. And so as we come to the word of God tonight, we look here, and even in verse number 10 of Proverbs chapter 24, it says, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. Every home, every family represented here tonight will face difficulty in life. But we, ought, but we don't want to faint, do we? The Lord would have us pray and not to faint. The Lord would have us trust in Him. The Lord would have us cling to His promises. The Lord would have us look to His Word and be guided by His, by, by His very words. Friends, we, we understand our need. I don't want to faint in the day of adversity. You've heard the saying, when the, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. I want to trust the Lord in the midst of hardship. When difficulties come into my life, I do not want to faint in the way. But rather, I want to rely not on my strength, but on the Lord's. Because His strength is made perfect in my weakness. And we can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth us. You see, the world wants us to do exactly what it deems appropriate. What is appropriate to the world today? We don't know. You know why? Because it's ever-changing. Uh, the, the culture, the society in which we live, uh, all of the institutions of our society are, are shifting further and further into this wokeism. Uh, redefining terms, redefining history. But may I tell you, they, they, what they are attempting to do is to confuse you. And to discourage you. They want you to forfeit. The world wants you to give up. The world wants you to throw in the towel. They want you to surrender your most valued possession. 
And that's not what is in your bank account or your retirement. It's not what is parked in your garage. It's not your garage. It's not your home or your house. It is your family. The world wants us to look to their wisdom. You know what has happened back, was it in the late 1930s and the 1940s? How many of you have ever heard the term Hitler Youth? Hitler Youth? Yeah. So among the, the Nazi party in, in Germany, Hitler had decided that they wanted to raise the children, the, these, the German children, instead of their families. They actually had, had nurseries or uh, set up where these, these ladies would come in and, and care for the children, but they would never offer them the physical touch. The, they, would never, they would never hold the child. They would never cradle the, the child in their arms. They would just, they were just there. You know, it was such a great detriment to their family. And what they, what they sought to do, and this is what the American, uh, this is what uh, our society is, is trying to do today. They are trying to, 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 to steal our parental rights and raise our children for us. And may I tell you, it's been going on since who knows how long. And the, the problem is, they're succeeding at it. And we look to the home, the nuclear family. And that is one of the telltale signs that we know that, that they are succeeding in their efforts to undermine our homes. You see, the Lord loves your home. He values it. He values it, his, your home more than you value your home. He wants you to have great success in your home. He wants to set you up for victory. He wants you to, to raise your children for His glory. He wants you to, to, to have that, that peace and, and safety there in your home. But the Lord is, I'm sorry, but the devil is stealing that away. Unfortunately, there are many children in our society that are growing up in a home that does not have both parents in the home. Many people just cohabitate together. They're not wed. And there's so much hardship and difficulty. But may I tell you, even if you find yourself in that place tonight, there's hope in the Lord. And you can have victory. Your home can have victory. You can be blessed of the Lord. Your children can grow in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And there can be a generation to come that, that loves God, that, that worships the Lord, and that serves Him in spirit and in truth. What does it take? See, the Lord here, in, even back in Proverbs chapter 23, He warns us of certain things that uh, the world deems appropriate even in our society today. Things that are being taught to our children, that are, that are, our children are being influenced to, to, to do and take unto themselves. For instance, look what the Bible says back in verse 3 of Proverbs chapter 25. I'm sorry, in chapter 23. The Bible says here, uh, he says, uh, Be not desirous of his dainties, for they are deceitful meat. 
Sometimes we look out and we want what the world has, but, but it's deceitful. The Bible warns of verse 10 saying this, Remove not the old landmark and enter not into the fields of the fatherless. There's a danger of, of, uh, of, uh, of forgetfulness. They're trying to erase the old landmarks. They're trying to, re- to erase history. What, what, really what they're saying here, in, 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 back in, in these ancient days, that's how property was divided. The, the landmarks was the inheritance of the children of Israel that was divided to them by lot, by Moses, and by Joshua as they went in and, and, and conquered the land. But the world, they're just, they're, hey, we're going to move the goalpost here. It's warning against theft. You know, it's, children are taught that it's okay to lie, cheat, and steal. It's no big deal. You know why? They're, they're, they may not say, hey, it's okay to lie, cheat, and steal, but you know what? There's no ramifications for their transgression. Things are corrupt. But we look here, we find another, another word of warning. Notice what the Bible says in verses 20 and 21. The Bible warns against the wine-bibber. Look what it says in verse 20. He says, Be not among wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh, for the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty. He warns against, against beverage alcohol. May I tell you, it is a sin to drink alcohol. People who say, well, the Bible doesn't say that you shouldn't. Well, it says right here, be not among them. Don't be counted among them. He warns against laziness. Look what the Bible says in verse 21. And drowsiness shall clothe the man with rags. Men, work. Get a full-time job. Go out and work if you're able-bodied. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands a thing that is good. The Bible warns against the harlot. Look what the Bible says in verse 27. It says, For a whore is a deep ditch, and a strange woman is a narrow pit. But our society, it's, it's perfectly fine to to go out and carouse around and to live a life of fornication and adultery and whoremongering. The Bible in verses 29 through 35 warns again against strong drink. Look what what the Bible says in verse 29. It says, Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? They that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine, look not thou upon the wine. When it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup, when it moveth itself aright. At the last it biteth like a serpent, and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange women, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say. And I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. 
The, the world says, you know what, all these things, it's just, it's just normal, it's common, it's good, it's acceptable, but it's not. Now, the world condones these things, and the world actually encourages people to do these things. Recently, I, there was, oh, this is crazy. It's like you just scratch your head and wonder. I heard, I heard the story recently of, of this young lady who lived here in the city, and and uh, she was just 14 years old and decided that she was going to go out with this guy that she met online. And uh, so he comes by and her parents are like, yeah, go have fun. And so they go and, and they, take, they drive, they leave, they do things, that, they go somewhere that she wasn't supposed to go and she panics. And he started to, to hit on her, to, to hit her physically. And so she fled the car and called her parents. Her parents went to get her. And as they were coming home, this guy and his friends surrounded their car and would have run them off the road. They were trying, it was an act of road rage because this man accused her of stealing his vape pen. Yeah. And you know what the parents' answer to that was? Well, she didn't, she wouldn't steal it. We've, we've given her her own. She's 14 years old. But these are the things parents in our society, they condone condone what Solomon had just warned of. And it's scary, isn't it? But rather than being part of the problem, I think you and I should be part of the solution. How can our homes be strengthened? How can our homes be fortified? How can you and I have victory? How can our homes be strengthened? Tonight, I want to give you two very simple things that will strengthen your home in ways you can't even fathom. I want to write this first one down. You and I are to reinstate the dinner table. Reinstate the dinner table. You see, I don't want to trouble my home uh, I, don't want, I don't want to be part of the problem of my home. The Bible says in, in Proverbs eleven twenty nine, He that troubleth his own house shall inherit the wind. I don't want to trouble my home. I want to, I want to strengthen my home. Uh, we trouble our homes by our omissions, by, by our neglect of what God deems vital. In Proverbs 15, verse 25, the Bible says, The Lord will destroy the house of the proud. The reality is, all of us need the Lord's help. And there are things that we can do, implement in our homes, that will strengthen and fortify what God has established. The first thing you and I should do is reinstate the dinner table. Look what the Bible says. Look back in in Psalm 128. Psalm 128. The Bible says here, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. Look in verse 3, the Bible says, Thy wife shall be a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, thy children like olive plants, round about thy table. Here we find a great picture of of a table. Uh, When COVID hit, my wife and I, uh, we were celebrating, getting ready to celebrate our anniversary and and she looked at me and she said, well, what are we going to do? We're we going to do anything special. I said, I don't know. You know, it's kind of different. And so I got this, this 
harebrained idea uh, to go and go to this place called Woodworks over in Gehenna and buy this, this nice, soft maple. And for our anniversary, I built her a dining room table. It's got six-foot benches, and it can seat eight. It seated nine people today. Um, why would we do that? That was a took me weeks, weeks and weeks to build this table because I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> why would we do such a thing? Because it's important to spend time as a family. What does the whole, what does the table, the dinner, the dining room table, this dinner table, what does it bring to your home? You ever thought about that? So I don't know, Pastor, all it does is take up space. You know, what a, you know what a dining room table brings? It brings structure to your home. How many of you remember, I remember my, my mom and dad, they worked a lot. My dad was an entrepreneur, started his own businesses and uh, the Lord allowed him to be very successful at it. But I would, my dad would be gone at 5 o'clock every morning. He'd get up and he'd go to work, 5 o'clock. Would come home until about 6 o'clock. But without fail, my mother, who at the time, she worked as a substitute teacher or a teacher's aide at the public school and eventually went on to, to work as an assistant in a, um, um, an accounting office. And helped my father run his business, did secretarial work, things like that. Without fail, she would, she would make dinner every night. And we'd sit around the table, whether we liked it or not, and we would eat together. And this is the picture we find here in Psalm 128. We find a family sitting and eating together. What takes place at a dinner table, do you know? Well, there's conversation that should take place at a dinner table, right? You know, at, at the, at all day, there are, there are influences in the world. You know, parents, you go to work too, don't you? And you have influences. You have struggles. You have irritations. And you come home and you gather around the table, and this is where you find the most precious people in your life. When you can sit down there and you can speak to one another, you can talk about your day. You can laugh together. You can cry together. You can fight together. You know what else happens at the dinner table? It's where God's word is open. It's where prayer is made. It's where our children learn of their parents' unconditional love and acceptance of them? Do you want to you, you strengthen your home? Reinstate the dinner table. Our society is so busy. You know, we, we, we run and we run and we run. And my wife, she'll call me and she's like, what time do you want to eat today? Uh, three o'clock, okay. <laughs> Starting to turn into my grandparents, eating at three, eating dinner at three o'clock in the afternoon. You know, I remember I'd go to my, go to my grandparents' house. I kid you not, my grandma Jean, 
You'd show up at her house at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, she'd already be in her nightgown watching the Detroit Tiger baseball game. <laughs> and uh, But why does my wife, she'll accommodate. And it takes, it takes work. It's hard. But may I tell you, it's worth it to bring your family together. It really is. Our society has gotten away from that. And the greatest influence our children need is the influence of their father and the influence of their mother. So many homes are disrupted. So many homes are broken. But we need to get back to that, don't we? Not just as a society, but as the Lord's people. And to reinstate the dinner table. Notice the second thing we find. And of course, this one I'm preaching to the choir tonight. But notice the second thing. Resolve to attend church as a family. Resolve to attend church as a family. Those are the two most vital things you can do as a family. Eat dinner together and attend church together. Now church is not to take the place of the instruction we give our children in the home. You know, we read our Bible as a family. We, we pray as a family. My wife uh, has memory verses. Our, our kids learn you know, trying to get the Word of God in their heart. She tells them Bible stories and, and missionary stories, all these things. She's got them all well orchestrated and lined out. But, but understand this, that, that the church is not to take the place of the home. The church is to complement the home. What the church does is reinforce the biblical teaching that has already taken place in the home. I know there are some preachers that would rather would, that want to run the homes of their people, but this is not one of those preachers. I've got to run my own home before I try to take care of somebody else's. But what we need to do is, is, is labor in the home and then show our children the importance of church. You know, make, make great efforts to do this. Don't. And may I tell you, don't just be Sunday only, Sunday morning only. Be Sunday morning, Sunday night, midweek. Why? Because church is vital. You will never, you will never leave saying, man, I wish I hadn't taken my kids to church. I've never heard anybody say that. Oh, that was a mistake. No, it's not a mistake. The Bible says train up a child the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. I'm reminded of, of what Paul told Timothy. If you look with me, if you would, please, in the book of First, uh, I'm sorry, Second, Second, Second Timothy, chapter number one. Well, actually, let's begin in verse in chapter three and verse fifteen.
No, let's begin in verse 14 of chapter 3. The Bible says, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. When did, did Paul meet Timothy when he was a little child? No. He was a young man when Paul met him, but he was not a child. In chapter 1 of, of 2 Timothy, we see the testimony, the recognition that Paul has, and that Paul calls young Timothy to remember concerning his, his heritage. The heritage of faith that he had received. Not from Paul, mind you. Though Paul did take him under his wing, though Paul did teach him and instruct him and, and encourage him to teach others also, but that he had received from his mother and his grandmother. Look what the Bible says in verse 5. He says, When I call to remembrance, in chapter 1 of 2 Timothy, the unfeigned faith that is in thee. The word unfeigned means without hypocrisy. It's real. It's It's genuine. which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. You see, you and I, we, we simply need to teach our children, but, but we must not, we must remember the importance of the local assembly. You see, we, we teach our children. Look what the Bible says we're, we're to teach back in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter number 6. Deuteronomy, chapter number 6, beginning in verse number 6. The Bible says, and, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. How do I get God's word in my heart? We find the command, hide thy, wor uh, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I, shall not, that I will not sin against thee. How do we get God's word in our hearts? Well, it, it takes diligence, it takes work, it takes discipline. The Bible says this in verse number 7, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And shalt talk of them when thou uh, sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. It takes a concentrated effort to get the word of God in the hearts of our children. When we teach our children the great stories of the Bible, it's comical. We come home and we sit around the dinner table for Sunday lunch and we ask our children, hey, what'd you learn in, in church today? Stuff I already knew. I already knew that. I'm like, oh, you already know it all. You're one of those people. All right. Uh, stuff I've already heard. You know, I'm glad they've already heard it. And I hope your children say the same cute things, right? Things I've already known, Mom. Dad, these are things I've already been taught. I hope they can say that. Why? Because it's necessary. But what we teach our children at home is reinforced at church. Sunday school. Bring your kids to Sunday school. Get them in those classes. Let the teachers teach them the Bible. You know what? It's good for them to hear another voice. How many of you parents 
told your, your children things and they didn't listen to you? And then someone else, they just met off the street, tells them to do this, the exact same thing and they listen to them, but they don't listen to you? Sometimes it's good to hear it from a different voice. Junior church, master club, Sunday night sitting here with their parents. Friends, these things are essential. These are the things that can truly make a difference in your life, in your home. I want to set my children up. I want to set the generations to come of my family. I want to set them up for success. And I know you want to do the same for yours. But the greatest things you can ever do is eat dinner together. Reinstate that dinner table. and Resolve to come to church. The Lord's good. Let's look back in Proverbs chapter 24 as we close. Proverbs chapter 24. The Bible says in verse 3, Through wisdom is a house builded. And by understanding it is established. And by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. We want what's best for our home. Don't rely upon the wisdom of the world. You know what? Sometimes the wisdom of God is so simple that we disregard it. Christians, don't disregard this. Please don't disregard this. Because adversity is going to come. Hardships are going to enter your family. And your children need to have, our families need to have that oneness that comes from spending time together. from worshiping the Lord together. It's essential. Won't you pray for our homes? We began Friday, we end tomorrow. Won't you make a concentrated effort on praying for our homes? May God help us. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed.